Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. As you know, this is the podcast. This is the show where we're looking for ways to get out of our own way. We're looking for those ideas, that inspiration to t- help us take that that next step, that first step in whatever it is we're trying to do. Uh, in fact, the photo logo for, for the show is, you know, a person putting their boots on, lacing them up. And that's kind of the approach we're taking, you know, lace up the boots, let's get started. And so today we've got Chanel Holmgren on the show. And Chanel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah, Brock, thanks so much for having me on. I'm Chanel and I'm the owner of Inspired by Purpose LLC, which is a personal development and kind of lifestyle company, all things fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. Um, my How I started it was kind of just this leap of faith and said, hey, you know, this thing doesn't really exist. I see a lot of people setting goals, but not setting realistic goals. And I really want to help them achieve their personal lifestyle and business goals so I went into business for myself six years ago and built myself kind of as an entrepreneur and now have built a team and a company. And that's where we're at. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So a lot of questions from that short introduction there. So uh, a lifestyle company, what what does that mean, Chanel? Well, so it's New Year. Happy New Year. And as you know, most New Year's are kind of when everyone sets their resolutions, whether it be for their their health, their weight loss, their finances, their business. And so basically what a lifestyle company is, is we're promoting a healthy lifestyle um, by facilitating connection with like-minded people in our spaces And also giving people the tools to be educated and empowered in their own health and personal development journey. So we offer things such as personal training, nutrition consultations. We offer kind of some lifestyle coaching, if you will, how to set goals and actually how to measure those over time. Um, And then we also do things like yoga and meditation and Wuji Gong. So it's kind of a mix of all things lifestyle. And we believe that developing personally will help people actually grow in their life outside of the gym. Oh, very cool. So, okay. But you you said that you looked around six years ago and it, it didn't exist. You didn't see this, this happening out in the world. And yet, you know, there's a lot of gyms, there's a lot of people who will help you with their, your goals. I mean, all this stuff, kind of does exist. So what weren't you seeing? Great question. Yeah, all of these things absolutely do exist. But what we are seeing was things were very isolated. So you have your, you know, your bodybuilding gyms, and you have your, you know, your dietitian offices, and you have kind of more of uh, yoga and everything kind of spread out. And so I think it left a lot of consumers with a lot of questions about what's the best thing? What's the best workout? What's the best way to accomplish my goals? What's the best diet to do? And we see kind of all of these fads. Um, And my personal background was athletics and dietetics, so nutrition. So what I really wanted to do between the two worlds was marry those concepts and show people kind of a lifestyle approach rather than just going on a diet or 
going to the gym to work out and thinking of them as completely separate things. What we wanted to do was really just bring those ideas together and show people that it was possible that they didn't have to kill themselves in the gym, but they could actually accomplish their goals over time. Um, so, yeah, I think I think back then, and it's changed a lot in the last five years, it was much more um, separated, where now we're seeing more of a movement toward this integrated wellness is kind of a cool thing, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly makes sense, uh, because it it is hard to isolate. And, and I agree that it is all kind of isolated just the way it is. You have experts in different areas. In fact, you know, you, you see that actually you see that in a lot of aspects of life, uh, especially when, when it's health related, you know, the, the medical community always seems, seems fragmented. I always had a hard time even just finding like uh, dealing with some like lower back pain issues. You know, you go to the doctor, but that's isolated from the physical therapist, which is isolated from the chiropractor, which is, you know, it's all isolated versus pulling together. So I love the thought of pulling together. Now, Absolutely. How how did you market that or how did you let people know? Because, you know, gyms, well, they all sound the same. They all look the same. I mean, you know, it, it's a storefront with a sign on it that has fitness or gym or something like that. You know, how did you distinguish yourself and let people know that what you were doing was different and special? Well, I think, first of all, that started before I ever like quit my job, right? Quit the corporate job in uh, the gym world. So I was a clinical nutritionist. So I had patients in that realm. But then I also was a personal trainer. And so I worked for a corporation and I worked with athletes as well. So a lot of the foundation was really laid between the connections of the clients that I already had and the the things in the community that I was already doing um, as an individual. You know, an entrepreneur starting a business, really, it's you being the name, the face, the brand. And so to your point, I think we live in this really cool time where social media is such a powerful tool when it's used in the right way. Um, and that was really the majority of what I was doing. Um, if it wasn't in-person connection, it was social media through sharing pictures and ideas and recipes and blogs, live videos, um, and really connecting with people that way. So, well, you, then you must have been fairly at the forefront because you, you wind back six years, that's 2013. I mean, social media was around and people used it, but it felt much different then. It was certainly less crowded then than it is now. Um, what it, And also one of the things about a, a gym is that, you know, it's kind of location based, uh, at least the way I, I think about it. it. You know, your gym is where your gym is. So what turned you on to the idea of using social media and how were you able to use it effectively at that time? Great question. So let me just backtrack for a moment um, because when I first started the business, I did not open a gym. Um, so I was really still unsure of how this idea would unfold. You know, in my community in Reno, Nevada, you know, you have your gyms, you have your yoga studios, and then you have like like I said, you have your dietitian's offices. You don't really have anything or didn't at that time that was a marriage of everything. Um, and I don't know if 
you know, for any of the listeners out there, if you've ever looked at the cost of starting a gym, but we're talking, you know, hundred, $150,000 just to get any equipment. And so for a starting entrepreneur, that simply wasn't a realistic model. So what, what I did is I took more of a community-based model and said, you know what, I'm already doing all these things in the community connecting these people. So I actually went to different locations, such as the city um, contracted out of already existing athletic facilities, and then performed our services in multiple locations as more of a community base. So um, in doing that, because not a lot of places were doing that, or people were doing that, social media was was huge for me to have that kind of free marketing and free advertising to start building this personal brand and then connecting it to this new business brand. Uh, because I had a good reputation in the community, but no one knew what Inspired by Purpose was. So um, certainly not a lot of people were using it, but um, you know, people were using Facebook in 2012. Um, I think I got an Instagram account like in 2012 as well. Um, and I've since deleted a lot of those um, pictures because, gosh, the camera quality was pretty horrible back then. If you look at it compared to now, um, I actually think I have some of them still on there. Um, but I mostly did that as a personal branding until I actually became like a real established business where I actually had, you know, other staff other than myself. But the really cool thing about being online is people don't have to know that right away. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, so already there, I was obviously making some assumptions about what, you know, your, your fitness empire looked like then. Um, now, now, now do you have, you know, physical building or are you still operating in kind of a, across buildings? Uh, so we're actually doing both. Um, so we actually are about, I'm going to say eight to 10 weeks out from our physical building right now. So that's been a really exciting journey over the last couple of months. Um, so the, the, the wellness center is actually on the verge of coming to life in one, just one location, but we are currently community based as well and in several locations. Okay. You know, I, I find it interesting that, uh, just the solution that, that you came up with, because it would have been easy to look at it and go, yeah, Jim, you know, 150,000 uh, weights are kind of expensive and facilities are expensive and buildings are expensive, uh, it, you know, very high overhead. And you just kind of threw all that to the side and figured out how to do something even cooler uh, in a way that didn't involve that overhead until you were ready for it. Um, I, I I, I realize there's not really a question mark at the end of that, Chanel, but it, it's just kind of the observation that, you know, so I think so often we get stuck because the obvious solution doesn't work for us, but we never take that next step to what could work for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of, you know, it's so interesting because I think your vision develops as you go. You know, you see a problem, you see where you can fit in you feel that you have a solution and then you start kind of building this thing and say, well, if it was that easy, someone else has probably thought of this, but why haven't they done it? And once you go on that journey, you go, oh, this is why they haven't done it. It's a lot of work and you have to build all the processes yourself. 
Um, so that's why I always kind of laugh when people say, oh, I don't want to share my idea. Someone's going to steal it. And it's like, no, they're not, because they still have to put in the time, the effort, the work. And uh, that's a whole that's a whole other side of it that people perhaps don't see. Um, but I do think it's just identifying that, hey, I see this problem with my clients, with my community, with my people. I think I could do this better. I'm going to try it and see what happens. So, so when you're serving your, your clientele, um, you know, just, and this is again, my assumptions, my observations of the fitness industry, and they could be totally wrong, but it, it seems like there's such a wide variety of customer knowledge, experience, and, um, I guess knowing what they want versus what they need, you know, so, so it seems like on one end you have people who just don't know anything, have never really worked out, don't even know where to begin. And on the other hand, you have people who are, are very confident in what they're doing, um, very, very knowledgeable. And, and somewhere in the middle, you have, I, I guess it's kind of the little bit of knowledge is dangerous sort of thing. Um, you know, the people that think they know what they're doing and um, can be kind of scary if you're working out next to them. Um, anyway, so how do you, how do you deal with such a, a wide range of customers? Most businesses, I don't think have kind of that knowledge and experience range that you must face. Yeah, those are a lot of great questions that you just asked. So the first thing is, um, you know, my primary focus when I first came out of college and became a clinical nutritionist was, okay, I'm going to work with athletes. This is my thing, right? That's like, I want to work with the 1% of people. Um, but what I really learned is there was already a huge support system for those people. And I was one of those people. I was an athlete. And um, once I faced kind of some health issues in and of myself, I had to go through this process of learning, being my own advocate, going to several doctors and all of this stuff to finally figure out like what was going on. And I had some hormonal imbalances that I had doctors just saying, hey, go on this diet, cut out salt, do this, do that. You might have lupus. And if I didn't have the knowledge and, and the ability to advocate for myself, oh, I'm sorry. And so, yeah, I was going to jump in there. So, so it, the the solutions range from cut out salt to you have lupus. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I mean, I was literally going every week for blood tests. I had gained like, I gained 65 pounds in four months from 130 pounds to 200 pounds with no explanation. And it turned out to be a metabolic, an actual metabolic issue. Um, but what the doctors were seeing was saying, oh, well, this is a, you know, a young woman coming to me saying she's gained weight, tell her to lay off the alcohol and the Oreos and she'll be fine. Go do two hours of cardio. And I knew that 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 wasn't the issue. And so I really, through that whole process, I developed this whole other passion personally to say, you know what, what if these people who are out here who are overweight, their metabolism is changing every 10 years, you know, that are not athletes that don't have this support system and all this team already built up. What if they're facing something similar? So I really kind of said, you know what, I want to service not just athletes, I want people to feel 
empowered and in control of their lives and learn that there is a process to everything. And I think when it comes to going back to your question, how do you deal with this diverse group of people? I think you have to address the mindset and the lifestyle changes first, rather than making the workout or the weight loss or the weight gain or the competing or whatever it is, the primary goal, because there's a process. And in the process, there is when people develop that kind of mental strength and that willpower and the connections that they need to be able to succeed over time. And I think this is why we see people like at New Year's time, you know, they set a goal and they feel motivated, but they only stick with it for as long as they feel motivated. So our goal, or my goal has really been How can I help people through this process, no matter what their age is, when they're not feeling motivated? How can they commit to show up and how do we help them kind of see why a goal is important and what that process is? So we do work with, you know, we have children's programs all the way to seniors. Um, Our oldest client is 81 right now. Um, So we do have a lot of that in between of these very different people with very different goals coming into one space and operating together because they feel community and they feel support. And they're around like-minded people rather than trying to achieve the same goal or the same look. So so that's interesting. And you may have already answered my, my next question then because, you know, motivating people, I mean, that that's kind of the holy grail of things. I mean, you know, managers want to know how to motivate their employees. Parents want to know how to motivate their kids. People want to know how to motivate themselves. And, you know, one of the challenges there is, at least when I think of, you know, my kids or myself, um, you know, there's this very fine line. In fact, my wife and I were talking about this the other day between really needing someone to empathize with you and really needing someone to kick you in the butt and get you going. And on any given day, even that person may not know what they need. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, are there any tricks, secrets of kind of knowing where that line is between, okay, this person just needs some loving support and no, this person needs kind of the drill sergeant to come out? You know, that's a good question. So I think that people do business with people, right? People don't just do business just to do business. People do business with people that they like, they know, they trust. And so I think there's this area that we don't always talk about in business. Relationships, genuine connections are so important. Um, To be a trusted source, to develop that sense of confidence between the client and whoever their service provider is or their coach to say, we're here to have your best interest in mind. So we have kind of an entry process. We have an interview process to really set this up for success. And, you know, when I first started, I wasn't successful at this, but I learned it over time. Not one approach to your point fits all. And on different days, people need different things. But if they feel that they know you and they trust you, they're more open and willing to have that transparency within the relationship to say, hey, you know, I know you're trying to push me, but I'm really struggling right now. And then for us to say, okay, so maybe that didn't work. 
let's scale it back. Just hang in there and see. So I do think it comes down to just relationships and open, transparent communication. Yeah, it seems like that that applies to so many areas of business, but but just particularly stands out when you're dealing with helping people do something that uh, if it were easy to do, they would have already done it. And, right. you know, de- dealing, helping them deal with the challenges in ways that they have been able to deal with before, even as you mentioned on the days, they don't really feel like dealing with it. Right. And growth happens in that space of being uncomfortable. So when you're learning something new, whether it's, you know, you've never lifted weights before, and now you're lifting weights, and your brain literally has to create these new neuromuscular pathways. um, It's an uncomfortable space. And so for people to feel that they're supported in that space is very empowering, and it helps build confidence. So that even when people don't feel motivated, they still feel confident in their ability to do it. And that's what we're focused on is the the personal growth and the confidence to go out there and achieve your goals, whether someone's looking at you or not. So what's the secret to achieving goals? And I realize there may not be one secret there, but you know, it is, it is just after New Year's. It does seem like a good time to talk about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, it sounds so cliche. I think never giving up. (laughs) I I see so many people that quit once they've began the process. And even if you don't know, because most of us, I didn't know going into business, uh, you know, quitting my job. I, and I'd studied business and done everything, but I didn't know until I was actually out there what kind of things you face, just like, you know, getting married, you know, it sounds like a really cool idea. And then you get in it and you go, Oh, my gosh, I have all these responsibilities and things. Um, And when you're setting a goal, you're really saying I'm holding myself accountable to this. And so once you start that process, I think the willingness and the openness to learn, and then to be agile, Um, I always call it agility. Some people call it flexibility, but be be agile in your approach for how you're approaching it. Sometimes you have to pivot. Sometimes you have to scale back because life happens and we can't control everything. But I think people get this idealistic um, view of goals where they say, I set a goal, I'm going to accomplish it. They're all or nothing. And then when they don't see the results in the time that they expected it to, they kind of give up. So I think it's never giving up. And then just that ability to stay, stay a student, just be a student and learn along the way. Um, And then the third thing that I think is having support. So it could be a mentor, it could be a spouse, it could be, um, you know, a community of people who are going to say, hey, I've been seeing you try this same thing over time. And now it's becoming insanity because it's just not working. Have you thought about this? So that support to get you out of your own head and allow you to keep going, I think is really important. Well, you know, you know, Chanel, one of the things you were saying there was about pivoting, about being flexible. And I've always wondered about figuring out where that point is, because, you know, sometimes you've just got to persist and kind of go through the barriers head on. And then after a while, things work out. And then other times, you know, you're just beating your head against a brick wall and it would be so much better just to choose a different path. But it's really hard, if not impossible, to see what's right to do in that moment. Is there anything you've learned along the way that helps you decide 
when you need to pivot and when you just need to persist? So many things have helped me learn. And I think, you know, it's hard to pinpoint where that place is. And I think the most important thing for people, um, what I've seen personally and what I've experienced for myself, um, I consider myself to be a person of immense faith. But, you know, sometimes we can be beating our head against a wall when things aren't working. And then we have wiser, smarter people around us saying, hey, you know, maybe you need to try it a different way. And sometimes we just can't see it. Um, But I think the key to that is self-awareness, knowing in yourself, am I am I pushing through this because I actually really have faith in this breakthrough that's going to happen? Or am I doing this because now I'm being stubborn and egotistical and my way or the highway? I think I think being self-aware enough to identify that, what are the feelings within yourself? Um, you know, are you pushing from a place of stress or are you pushing from a place that you just know this knowing? Um and so that's that's a huge component of what we do in our in our wellness practices and our our wellness center is practicing self-awareness and cultivating that because sometimes it can be hard to know what's your idea and what's someone else's. So I do think a lot of people um will take on ideas that aren't theirs and try to run with them for the sake of whatever. And we see this all the time in entrepreneurship right now, that people are kind of jumping on the entrepreneur bandwagon because it seems cool. And so they're they keep trying these same approaches that may or may not work for them. Um so yeah, I just I really do think it's self-awareness and then knowing when you've had enough. As we're thinking about this, I actually had a a guest on the other day, and she was also an entrepreneur, had branched out on her own different field, but was talking about just the the loneliness and insecurity that can come with being on your own, especially right when you leave that corporate job and and you're still building the business. And you mentioned faith. And how how do you keep that faith? knowing that things will work out, but you've just got to stick with it long enough because in that moment when the paychecks aren't coming through in any kind of regular fashion, when you don't know if this, what you think is a brilliant idea is going to pan out or not, um, you know, you're learning so much and so many different things, all the things that you didn't know about, like you, you, you mentioned, you know, it sounds like a cool idea. Then you get into it and discover everything that you need to know and you probably don't know it. How do you keep that faith and enable you to persist and keep moving forward? Oh, goodness. Well, now we're getting pretty deep here. Um, I think that as a business owner, whether you're an entrepreneur, it's just you solo, or you have a larger corporation, one thing that you can always evaluate is how is this received in the marketplace? What's the engagement of the clients? What's the result of our people? How is this working? And even if you can't pay yourself, do you see that there's a fruit happening? Do you see that there's a payoff? Do you see that there's word of mouth? Do you see that it's changing people's lives? Or, you know, in my case, I wanted to create a solution. Is this a solution for people? Um, so yes, there, there were a lot of times and still are times that it's lonely, um, and it's hard, 
But I think when you have those little nuggets, I call them like nuggets that God shows me um, to say, this person says, you know, your company, your staff, your team, what you said made me think differently. It offered me hope. It helped me achieve these goals. To me personally, that keeps my faith alive, even in the hard times. And there have been so many times that I've really said, you know what, this this just isn't paying the bills. This isn't paying off. I'm working seven days a week. Is this really worth it? But for me, I saw the impact that it was having. And so I think as long as you are having fruit, and it doesn't necessarily come right away, but you should be getting feedback from your customers and you should be getting feedback from people in your team that should be encouraging you. And I think a lot of people, when they're going into entrepreneurship, they say it's lonely because they have to kind of rip away some of those relationships that maybe weren't encouraging to them. So again, I think it comes down to um, keeping faith by having the right types of relationships in your life. That, that, that's not always easy to do, but um, we're not talking about doing easy things today either. So, uh, well, let me, let me switch gears on that a little bit because you mentioned social media earlier. And, you know, one of the things about social media is it, of course, makes everything look easy. I, I love Instagram, but it, you know, everyone's post posts the happy and the shiny and it looks super easy to start a business, to be a fitness professional. What is it that you wish people knew about being an entrepreneur in the, the health and wellness, the fitness industry that uh, doesn't necessarily get shown on Instagram? Well, I think two things. The first thing is social media is our personal brand. We live in a time where we get to really control what people see and what they don't. And so some people call it a highlight reel. But really, it's it's marketing. It's free marketing for yourself. And the perception that people have of you matters when you own a business or you're trying to do impactful things. And so I think putting quality out there that's in alignment with the solutions that you're trying to create in any industry is so important. You know, how many times do you see, um, you know, people getting completely destroyed, athletes that are out there representing this amazing um, thing and this entertainment, a multi-billion dollar industry, and then they post one thing on social media and their entire career is over. Um, I think it's so important to consider social media as your personal brand, even if you're not a business owner yet, or you're a new business owner, that's really important. Um, to your second point, or your second question, in the fitness industry, just because someone takes a selfie and looks cute or looks good online or has pretty muscles doesn't make them healthy, doesn't mean they went through a healthy process. Um, just because they have a whole bunch of likes doesn't mean that they're actually doing impactful work. There is a, a whole process and not everything that looks good is good. I'd love your, your comment there that likes don't equal impactful work. Um, so very true. And, and I love that you're thinking about impactful work and impact that you're having. And I think that makes such a difference when businesses take that approach to, to helping their customers, to how they're set up, to how they're run, to their purpose behind it. 
um, having impact versus just having a business, you know, that that's just two totally separate things. Right. And I think that social media is now a way, um, I should add this point, it is now a way or how we engage deep, we, we engage daily with our clients. So it's actually a relationship building tool. Everybody is on their phones all the time. So if you know that your clients are following you or your customers are following you, instead of just sending them emails, you know, every day with daily deals, give them something. That's what we do. Or our focus is actual engagement. How do we keep our people engage? How do we keep them learning? How do we give them things that are going to help them shift their mindset so that they see value in what we're doing? And I think that's really important too. Nice. Well, well, this has been a, a great conversation, Chanel. How can people find you? I mean, we're talking about social media. We, we've been talking about your business that's growing. How can people find you? Yeah. So first of all, we don't buy followers. So we don't have a whole bunch of followers. Um, we, we have a very organic following. And for any of the entrepreneurs out there, um, I just want to tell you that it is okay to have an organic following. It's better to have people that you are actually connecting with than people that you're just trying to sell. Um, so we are online at Inspired by Purpose on all social media platforms. You can um, go to BeInspiredByPurpose.com. And my personal brand is Chanel Nicole Inspires on Instagram, Facebook, and ChanelNicoleInspires.com. Very cool. Well, my, my final question then, Chanel, in Ask It of All My Guests is, how can the listeners help you out? What would your ask be for them? Well, to any of those out there who um, have faith, um, and I, I'm assuming most of those people out there do have faith in, in some sense of community, um, I would just like to be asked to be uplifted in that way, whether it be through prayer, positive thoughts, good vibes. Um, and then also um, just engage with me on social media, maybe sharing ideas. I think that when we share ideas, then we're able to generate new things. And if there's anyone out there who I can help in that process, I'm more than open to that as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Chanel. Thanks for listening to today's show. I am always curious, what information, what inspiration, what ideas did you take from today's show that you are going to put to action in your business, in your side hustle, in your career, in your life? How are you going to use this information, these ideas, this inspiration to help you move forward? Let me know on Twitter, at Brock Edwards. You can, of course, post on the website, brockedwards.com, where, where all these episodes are housed. Or you can just email me directly at imperfectactionpodcast at gmail.com. Please let me know. would love to hear how you're putting these ideas into action. And before we wrap up today, I do want to just give a quick shout out to a couple different folks. One of them is Nutrafit. Their CEO, Austin Holsey, was a guest on the show earlier, and they're also a sponsor of the show. Now, Nutrafit creates very high-quality protein supplements, amongst other things, and I got to know them actually by being introduced to Austin, and as I learned a little bit about his story, I decided to try them out. You may not be into protein supplements. I am, and I found it to be some of the, the highest-quality, best-tasting 
protein supplements out there. there. There's only a couple that come close. Most protein supplements, from my experience, have a very chemical, made-in-a-lab kind of taste to them. And this this is one of the few that it actually tastes good. In fact, it tastes good enough that my teenage daughter drinks it. And uh, without me asking to or asking her to or telling her to or saying anything about it, she just kind of glommed onto it and enjoys it. And I think that says a lot about the taste of a protein supplement. And so if you're interested in them, check them out. They say they are a sponsor of the show. Uh, as a listener, you get a discount of 15% on every order. If you go to checkout, just uh, use the code TAKEACTION. That's all one word, and it's all caps. My personal favorite is a double chocolate whey protein, and it is NutriFit. That is NutriFit with two Ts dot net. Got to be kind of specific there. Uh, NutriFit, two Ts dot net. And the other folks I want to give a shout out to is the band Shadow of Wales. So I know you're already familiar with them because they provide the intro and outro music from the song Just a Little. It's one of my favorite songs that they do. And if you're not familiar with a band beyond that, well, their bass player, Jeremy Boyum, was on one of the first episodes of this show. Really great guy. I He and I struck up a conversation at another band show once that he was out just trying to connect with fans, trying to let people know about his music. Really, really impressed me. And the, the, the whole band, very hardworking. I think their, their ethos really fits this show well. You know, they all have day jobs. The band is a thing that they, they do on the side, and yet they do it really well, and they're pretty relentless in it. In fact, you may have heard their music places. Uh, they've been played in Starbucks. They've been played in Planet Fitness. They've made the top 200 in college radio charts. And so they're one of those bands that's really on the cusp. If you haven't heard them already, you will probably hear of them soon. Uh, but I do encourage you to check them out. You can find them, you know, every place you find music. And it's called the band is called Shadow of Wales. So shout out to those guys. I really appreciate both the, the work that they do and just letting me use their music. And like I say, I think it's a great, great fit for the show. So that's it. Make it a great day. See you next episode. <laughs> <laughs>